This program is brought to you by Abiding Above Ministries. I know we're not supposed to uh, do anything that would get us out of here sooner than he wants us to, but sometimes my heart longs to just go to heaven. But praise the Lord, he's got more for us to do, right? So let's just uh, keep trusting the Lord with all of our heart and lean not on our own understanding and all our ways, what? Acknowledge Him. You know that what that means? That means it's like if you were to walk into a room, instead of just walking in with your head down or not looking at anybody, you walk into a room and as you see people, you nod your head. Or you might do something like this. You know, That's acknowledging their presence. Well, in all of our ways, acknowledge Him. That's almost like as we're going in life, we keep one head turned toward heaven and letting Him lead us. So we acknowledge His presence wherever we are, not just on Sunday at church, 24-7 wherever we are, continually acknowledging His presence. I think I've told you this at least a hundred times, maybe a hundred and one times. One day I walked into our living room and my daughter was practicing getting ready for her piano lesson that she does with a lady across town. So I walked into the living room. She was practicing. And all of a sudden, I kind of like to joke and cut up, you know. Laughter is, makes a, a merry heart. It's like medicine to the soul. So anyway, I, I knew she was practicing. She was looking at her sheet music. She was playing the pianos. I call it tickling the ivories. And then she had to pump the pedals, you know, at certain places. I don't know anything about that. So she was doing all this, getting ready for a lesson. And so I started talking to her while she was practicing. She didn't stop. She kept practicing. And then I started asking her math questions. What's 15 plus 15? And I just kept on doing that. And she kept on answering. And finally I said, honey, how in the world are you listening to me, talking back to me, reading sheet music, playing the piano with your hands and your feet and doing math problems. How in the world are you doing it? She said, I don't know. God made us that way. So that tells me wherever you are 24-7, you can practice acknowledging God's presence as you go along the way. Amen? Acknowledging His presence wherever you are. The Apostle Paul called that unbroken communion. And I would encourage all of us to practice His presence like that. Praise the Lord for saving my soul. Praise the Lord for making me whole. Amen? All right, well, if you have a copy of God's Word, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. I'm going to look at a couple of verses, but then I'm also going to look at some uh, other verses pertaining to uh, what we see here in... Uh, 1 Corinthians 3 and 4. The title of this message is Our God Who Comforts. Our God Who Comforts. Now, we've been, since we were little children, we've heard a lot of sermons on the wrath of God. But we probably only heard a few sermons on the comfort of God. The Bible says He is our ever-present help in trouble. Amen? Our God Who Comforts. Many people think that once a person becomes a Christian, all of their problems are going to go away. But the Bible does not teach that at all. We're going to have some problems. 
I know I have problems sometimes, not all the time, but I'll go through times. It's just harder than other times. Sometimes people, when you read biographies of great Christian men and women, you think their whole life was one big problem. How did they become so godly? Because they learned the secret that the Apostle Paul learned. When I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. And so the Bible does not teach that once you pray and ask Christ to come into your heart, that you're not going to have any more problems again. God does not teach that. We have many examples in uh, God's Word that reveal to us that some of God's most useful saints suffered during their life here on this earth. Look how many years Joseph suffered after his brothers threw him into the pit, and he became a slave. In Egypt, eventually he became a ruler in Egypt. But he had 13 years of things being very, very hard. And just think about so many other saints who suffered here on this earth. If we could talk to them now, they would say this. It was worth every single second. It was worth every bit of it. That's what they would say. So before Jesus was crucified, he told his disciples something that he was going to do. He Basically, he said, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. In the Greek, that's the paraclete. You say, what does it mean? The comforter. I'm going to send you the comforter, the Holy Spirit. So, if the Christian life is just a life of bliss, everything goes perfectly well, well, then why did Jesus say, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, the Comforter? Because he knew that they were going to face some persecution. Things were not always going to be easy. But he said, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And not only will he be with you, he'll be in you. You see, Jesus was with the disciples. But the Holy Spirit lives in God's children. And so, Jesus knew that the disciples would be cursed. They would go through times of strife. And that this would have a major effect on his most devout followers. And so, this message here this morning is for those times in the Christian life that are just plain hard. You can't explain it. You say, as far as I know, I don't have any sin in my life. But things are just plain hard right now. This message is for those times when it almost seems like heaven is silent. Our God who comforts. Well, let's look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul speaking here to the church at Corinth in verse 1. Verse 3 of chapter 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves have been comforted. So, we receive comfort, and then with that same comfort that we received, we're able to comfort other people. And so, number one, 
God comforts us in our pain. Look again at verse 4, the first part. He says, who comforts us not in some, who comforts us in all our afflictions or tribulations, some translation says. So notice the word in. God doesn't always take away our discomforts, but He helps us and sustains us through them. See, feeling comfortable and being comforted are two different things. Feeling comfortable is when everything is right. No hot weather. Everything's beautiful outside. Plenty of food in your stomach. And everything's going your way. Well, that brings a feeling of being comfortable. But what about being comforted? That is a fact based on the comforter, not on our circumstances. That means you think of King David, all that he went through with Saul. You think about um, the Apostle Paul, all the afflictions, shipwrecked, imprisonment, all that he went through. He wasn't feeling comfortable. He was being comforted in the affliction. So that's where we have to be careful. So John chapter 14, verses 16 through 18, listen to what Jesus said about him sending the comforter. He had already told them, Basically, I'm going to die, and I'm going to be going to heaven. But he said, I'm not going to leave you there. He said, in John 14, 16 through 18, Jesus said, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. You see, prior to Jesus dying on the cross, Jesus was with the disciples, but he didn't live inside of the disciple. My friend, listen, if you've asked Christ to come into your heart, he lives in you. He's inside of you. The comforter lives in your spirit, affecting your soul and affecting your body. So what are the characteristics of the comforter? The Comforter is the Holy Spirit. What is He like? What is His characteristics? Well, the Comforter is permanently in your life. He'll never leave you, ever. You may think that you've lost Him, but you haven't lost Him. You may have your back towards Him doing your own thing. And it may feel like He's gone, but He's not. And so, the Comforter is permanently in your life. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 5 says this, let your manner of life be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He says that in his word, and God never lies, my friend. He's always with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. So the comforter is permanently in your life. But not only that, the Comforter is the protector of your life. He protects you. Hebrews 13, 6 says this, So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear. What shall man do to me? Listen, no matter where you are, if you go out at night, you need to be doing what God wants you to do. But if you're out in the darkness, you have the Comforter with you wherever you are. 
He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He said, I'll protect you. Now, what you're doing, you may be getting yourself out from under his protection, but he said, I will protect you. So what you do, you continually acknowledge his ways, and wherever you are, he'll protect you. You say, yeah, but what if someone comes up to me with a knife and stabs me in the back and kills me? Oh, that wouldn't happen here in Memphis, Tennessee, would it? Nobody would kill another person in Memphis, Tennessee, would they? Oh, no way. People don't do that, do they? What if somebody came up and stabbed you and you dropped dead? Let me tell you the good news. What does the Bible say? Absent from the body, what? Present with the Lord. Amen? So he says here, he says in Hebrews, I will not fear what shall man do unto me. In other words, are you going to kill me? Go right ahead because absent from the body, present with the Lord. And matter of fact, if I could, after I've gone to heaven, I would come down and hug your neck and shake your hand. Best thing that ever happened to me is I'm finally in heaven and I left this body down in the ground. Amen? You know, the Bible says that when Jesus comes back, the Bible says that the dead in Christ are going to rise first. You know why? They have six foot further to go. You say, what do you mean by that? They bury you six feet in the ground. You have six feet further to go. So what are the characteristics of the comforter? The comforter is permanently in your life. The comforter is the protector of your life. The comforter soothes your life. Robert Murray McShane said this. He said, speak boldly. What matter in eternity the slight awkwardness of time? You see, someone may hurt us during our time on this earth, but what is that compared to an eternity in heaven with God? And the Bible says where there will be no more tears in heaven. You know that? There's no separation in heaven. When someone dies and you miss them and you feel separated from them, in heaven there's no death, no more dying, no more crying in heaven. In heaven there's no more sin. You'll never be tempted to sin again and you'll never be able to sin again because there's no sin in heaven. I can't wait to get there because there's not a day goes by that I don't sin in some way. It can just be in my thoughts, sometimes even in my actions. But one day, I'll never sin again. One day, if you're a child of God, my friend, you'll never sin again. The comforter soothes your life with tenderness and gentleness. When you think of the Holy Spirit, the comforter, you almost think of the way a mother is, tender and gentle. Isaiah 66, 13 says, as one whom his mother comforts, so will I comfort you. You know, since we were little boys, little girls, we've been given an image of God is only and always angry. We've been taught that, not by everybody in our life, but by many people, because many people see God as just full of anger and ready to get you. But it says right here, as one whom his mother comforts, so will I comfort you. That is God. That is from his word. That is the truth about him. And so, think about how God comforts you through scripture. Just like me reading 
uh, that in Isaiah 66, 13. And seeing the real correct biblical image of God, who He is, characteristic attributes, He's a comforting, loving Heavenly Father. He burned His wrath out in His Son Jesus on the cross. Jesus took the punishment, my friend, to be able to remove our sin as far as, from us as far as the east is from the west and to bury our sin in the grave of God's forgetfulness. My friend, that is grace. That is love. It is very costly, expensive, priceless grace. And He did that because He loves us. That is the real truth and the real view of a loving, heavenly Father. There was a man named H.G. Spafford. He was a Chicago lawyer, and he was wealthy, and he sent his wife and his four daughters to Europe for vacation. This was in 1874. They went on a passenger steamer, and he was just too busy to go at the time, but he intended to go to Europe a little later and be with them. But in mid-ocean, the steamer with his wife and four daughters collided with another sailing vessel. The four girls were drowned, but a sailor discovered Miss Spafford floating and they rescued her. And this is back in the day before the telephone. And so they cabled one another. And so she cabled home to her husband when she got on shore and she just used two words. Saved alone. The mother was still alive, his wife, but he had lost his four daughters. Dwight L. Moody, he was a great evangelist many years ago. He was uh, having meetings in Edinburgh, Scotland. And so he knew about this because he knew Mr. Spafford. And so he left his evangelistic meetings and he went to comfort the family. And he was alarmed by what he saw. And he said Mr. Spafford was able to say, It is well. The will of God be done. That's what Spafford said. He lost his four daughters. And he said, It is well. The will of God be done. You know, what he was saying is this. If God allowed it, it's for God's purposes and that is best. Though it makes me sad and I feel separated, God allowed it. Nothing gets to God's sheep unless it comes through the shepherd. And so, from that experience, Mr. Spafford wrote the hymn, It is well with my soul, to commemorate his four daughters' tragic death on the ocean. So for many years, we've been singing it. Since we were little boys, little girls, we've been singing this. And we also, when somebody's going through a hard time, we'll say something like, God's in control. It'll be well with your soul. God's in control. We'll tell people that. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4 again. Who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So here's a few words from that old hymn, It is well with my soul. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll. Whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well 
with my soul. Amen? We can say that, my friend, because we have a God who comforts us by the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us. No matter what. He's watching over you. He's protecting you. Even when you do wrong, He's not surprised because He's an all-knowing God. He still loves you. He wants what's best for you. He's not your enemy. Sometimes we are our own worst enemy. But God is still loving you. He's still protecting you. He's watching over you. He's comforting you. And He wants you to repent and walk with Him, acknowledging His presence all the days of your life. That's what God would have you and me to do. Chuck Swindoll said this, Brokenness attracts brokenness. If you go through a very hard time in life, you've got more to share to help other people who are also broken going through a hard time in their life. They will actually listen to you before they'll listen to a preacher. Because they'll say, you know what, I think he understands what I'm going through more than the rest. He's a preacher, but this gal's gone through the same thing I've gone through. I want to hear from them. Brokenness attracts brokenness. So, not only do we have, number one, God comforts us in our pain, but the second thing is this. God teaches us in our pain. You've learned more by going through a hard time than you've learned when everything's going wonderful. You've learned more going through a hard time. Again, he says in verse 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble. God uses you because what you've been through. God uses you because of what you've been through. What we've been through, sometimes we bring it upon ourselves. We just have to admit it. I did it myself. What was the famous song that uh, was very uh, popular? I did it my way. The record shows I took the blows and I did it my way. Frank Sinatra and then Elvis Presley both sang that song. But you know what? The truth is this. I is the middle letter of sin. I did it my way. Well, that is the biggest problem most of the time. We just all have to admit it. I messed this up myself. And so, sometimes we bring it upon ourselves. You say, well, how do we do this? Lack of discipline. Lack of learning. Lack of taking care of your body. Lack of taking care of your finances. Think about it. If you go over to this wall and double up your fist, and hit it as hard as you can. It's going to break your hand. And it might put a hole in the sheetrock. But I can tell you this. There's always a cause and an effect. If you hit the wall with your fist, it's going to hurt your hand. My friend, if you don't try to learn, if you stop thinking, stop reading, there is cause and effect. You don't grow. Now, you can change that at any moment by starting to learn again. But look, if you don't try to learn, you stay where you are for many years. If you try to learn, you move ahead. Cause and effect. So, think about this. 
your body, your physical body. If you drink liquor, it affects the liver, and you need your liver to live. Cause and effect. If you drink liquor, or if you take some kind of drug, whether it's legal or illegal, but you take it in excess, it has a negative effect on the body. Cause and effect. What's the cause to liver failure? Drinking. Drinking is the cause. The effect is liver failure. And again, I say you need your liver to live. Cause and effect. If you stop thinking, if you stop reading, stop learning, stop trying, you diminish your abilities. Cause, effect. If you don't take care of your body, you'll die an earlier death. Cause and effect. And then finances. Money. If you don't save 10% of everything that you earn, when you get older and you physically can't work anymore, you won't have very much money. But if you'll save 10% all of your life of everything you earn, when you retire, you have enough to live comfortable until your death and even be able to pay for your own funeral, your own casket, and everything. Cause and effect. What you do now determines the future. Cause and effect. Mind, will, emotions. So therefore, we can't blame anything on anybody. We're not victims. I'm choosing. Cause. Effect. God teaches us in our pain. He comforts us in our pain. We sometimes bring it upon ourselves by lack of discipline. Learning our physical body, our finances, and then we also hurt ourselves by making wrong choices. We date the wrong girl or guy. We marry the wrong girl or guy. And sometimes we even take a wrong job that gets us nowhere instead of thinking things through and say, I really need to do something else. Cause, effect. Cause, effect. It's just the way it is. Be careful as you go through life knowing that I have a God who comforts me in all my tribulations. But you find yourself over and over again in tribulations. Be careful that in those days that you don't become angry with God. Many people are angry towards a loving Heavenly Father who protects us and comforts us. They become angry. Be careful not to do that. You see, God teaches us in our pain. Sometimes we bring the pain upon ourselves. Cause, effect. But sometimes God may be correcting us. Hebrews 12, 6. For whom the Lord loves, He chastens, or there's another word, He disciplines. And so many times growing up, what did we hear? He takes you out behind the barn and whips the living daylight out of you. Or he said he saddle busts you again, almost as if he's an angry God, can't wait to beat you up. 
You know what God's discipline, His chastening, you know what it really is? It's like when you put braces on crooked teeth. What's the purpose? To make them straight. But at the same time, making them straight makes your teeth sore. God loves you, my friend. When He chastens you or when He disciplines you, He's not doing it out of anger and wrath. He's already put all that on His Son, and His Son paid the price and died with it. Well, then why is God allowing this? Because He loves you. He's causing you to straighten up, but He's not doing it because He's mad. He's doing it because He loves you. But in the process, it's making me sore. If you start straightening up now, and maybe come off of some kind of addiction that you have, it's probably going to make your head sore. Maybe your body sore. But the good thing is this. You'll be free. You're getting better. Things are going better. So it's a positive thing. And so, God may be correcting us. Because for whom the Lord loveth, He chastens, He disciplines. And then, as you think about the fact that God teaches us in our pain, we will learn to respond to problems in a biblical way in the process of going through a hard time. Hebrews 5.8 says, Though he was a son, talking about Jesus, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. God the Son learned obedience during his 33 years. Most of you are older than 33. He died younger than you, and he was God. And the Bible says that he learned obedience by what he suffered. My friend, listen, God the Son suffered. He was both God and man. Sometimes we're going to go through it. But it's not God beating you up. God's loving you. You may be beating yourself up. And God's holding you and loving you like a mom, even though you're beating yourself up. Cause and effect. Cause and effect. So, we go through this. So we'll learn how to respond to problems in a biblical way. And also, so that we will learn that the end result is what we should be looking for. God, I don't like this. I'm uncomfortable. Father, I'm suffering. Yes, Father, I know I've brought a lot of things on myself. And also, some other people have brought some things on me. Why are you allowing this? You know what? That's when we learn the most. It's when we go through a tough time. Hebrews 12, 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, listen, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. My friend, it will be worth it all. When I see Jesus. Amen? Just keep going. Let God comfort you in all your tribulations. Because we're all expiring, my friend. So, another reason. As God comforts us in our pain, but He allows it, so we will learn that God's highest good will come as a result of our pain. I'm just telling you, when everything always goes perfectly well for you, you begin to slack off. You begin to say, okay, you, I'll take it from here, God. Thank you. 
That's just the way we are as humans. So we will learn that God's highest good will come as a result of our pain. Romans 8, 28 and 29. Famous passage here. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to His purpose, for whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. Listen, you know what Jesus was like? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, long-suffering, self-control. I can tell you what God's doing with you. He's allowing pain to come. And if you will respond God's way instead of your own way, people will begin to see the beauty of Jesus in you. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, long-suffering, self-control. But if you respond the wrong way, my friend, people will see the devil in you. Instead of a heavenly life, they'll see a hellish life. He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. Someone went to a famous sculpture who was standing next to a big old rock. And he said to that sculpture, How in the world are you going to make this big old ugly rock look like a beautiful stallion? And you know what the sculptor said to him? The famous sculptor said, I'm going to take my hammer and I'm going to take my chisel to this rock and I'm going to knock everything off of it that doesn't look like a stallion. That's how I do it. God in His love chisels you and me to become conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. It's like putting teeth on braces. I've already said it. It makes the mouth sore and it makes the teeth straight all at the same time. Our pain, you may be feeling pain today. Ask yourself, why do I feel the way I feel? Because God loves me and the cross proves it. God is lovingly allowing you to come to the end of yourself so He can lovingly chisel you until you become like Christ. Best thing you could do to speed it all up is to start saying to yourself, it's no longer I, but Christ. Whatever God tells me to do, I'm going to do it. Whatever He tells me not to do, I'm not going to do it. Do this for 30 days. Everything will change for you. Another reason God allows us to go through these things is to speak through our life and testimony to comfort other people. Look again at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 4, the second part of verse 4. With the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. So, God comforts me and you going through a tough time. If we'll just let Him, by the Holy Spirit who's in you. And then, you, by the Holy Spirit who's in you, the Comforter who's in you, you comfort other people by letting the Holy Spirit comfort them through you. Our God who comforts. Amen. You've been listening to Abiding Above Ministries with Chris Hodges. If you would like Chris to speak at your church or event, please go to our website, abidingabove.org. God bless you and make you a blessing.